Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset. Where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. What is up, rock stars? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. I'm JB. I'm the doctor. If it's your first time joining us, thank you and welcome. Make sure before the end of the episode, whether you are listening or watching, you give us a five-star review, like, follow, subscribe, whatever it takes. We appreciate you. And if you happen to be a returning listener or viewer, thank you, because I know you've already done this, right? Absolutely. Of our, course they have. Our returning I, listeners are nothing if not responsible. And I and know prompt. it because we, 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 see our, we see our numbers go up every single day that we launch a YouTube episode with subscribers and everything. So I know you're all out there doing it and we appreciate it. So thank you back to the lab. Again, if it's your first time, you might not be used to this today, but the doc and I usually have some fun. We do something effective and different. We interview good people, real professionals in real time to get their take on what their specialty is. So you can walk away with something really good and useful, insightful that you can use in your business and your life. It's a win, win, win all around. I love those. Worst case scenario, you put us on in the background while you're doing something and we'll make it seem less tedious. Yes. And if you don't like us, just, just send us to the people you don't like. We'll, we'll, we'll take that too. If you don't like us, you put us on in the background and, and it will make whatever you're doing feel less tedious. Okay. Sure. That, that'll work, Doc. Hey, buddy, I'm, uh, I'm excited because we've got somebody cut from the same cloth as me, I think, joining us on the show today. Uh, a Yikes. fellow... Yes, I know. You're in trouble. It's my favorite type of episode. A fellow sales specialist. We have Mr. Harry Spate joining us from Selling with Dignity. Harry, welcome to the lab. What is the good word? Doc and JB, great to be here. See, I can already tell he's cut from the same cloth, Doc. You're in <laughs> trouble, buddy. I should start drinking now. Uh-oh. I should have put my my uh, sign on air because you guys are real pros here. So uh, I'm a little concerned my sign's in the dark, but we're going to have some fun. Yeah, we, we are, Harry. I'm glad, glad you're able to join us here. Uh, for the sake of our listeners and our viewers, uh, give us a little background on yourself and the business. That'd be a great place to start off. Sure. So I just started in sales yesterday. Uh, actually, uh, many decades ago, I think uh, back in the 60s when I was born, my first sale was, uh, can I have the bottle, please? And that was not a bottle of Jack. So in my life, over the, once I got out of high school, I became a missionary. And then from there, I got into sales. So I've been in sales for over two decades wrote a book called Selling with Dignity. And for me, it's really about selling, coming from a place of serving that wanted to help others who have this mindset that I'm really not cut out to be a salesperson. I'm not that obnoxious, pushy. It's all about me, seller, and I just want to do the right thing for people. So the book is for you. And uh, I'm happy to hear 
to be here and talk about sales and mindset and whatever you guys have in mind today. We appreciate you having having you join us and uh, really, really excited for, for the conversation we're going to have today. Uh, you know, in my experience, I've known a number of people who have uh, been missionaries and, and gone on mission. And, and I find that they tend to be some of the most persuasive people I've ever met. So I think it's a good foundation for anybody who's going to be in sales to do something like that. Uh, you're fast approaching the one year anniversary of the book, by the way. Congratulations on that. Yeah, it's been an exciting year. I mean, it's, uh, you know, when you change your whole career and do something different, uh, kind of late in life, as some may consider, where they're starting to think about retiring, I'm thinking, no, next chapter, what am I going to do? And uh, the whole book thing came into existence and set me on a completely different path, which I am enjoying every minute of. So talk, talk to us just a little bit about kind of the, the, book and this concept of selling with service. I, I, I kind of nice to just get it, get a better feel for what, what that means to you and, and what it should mean to our listeners. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So, uh, you guys like fine dining? Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love fine dining doc. What about you? I'm hoping this story ends with us going to a nice restaurant. <laughs> Hey, great. So, uh, well, I hate to disappoint, but uh, maybe you guys could go after, which coincidentally, we're practically, we were practically neighbors because I lived in South Florida for a number of years. But what I love to do is go out to fine dining restaurants. And when you go to a fine dining restaurant, the service there is impeccable. And I love it. There's really no upsell. It's all about how can I serve you know, getting the water, the sparkling water, the wine list, the specialty cocktails, hearing about the specials for the evening, listening about, you know, where the food came from to being offered desserts. Great servers just serve, but most people don't recognize that they're also driving revenue. And that's really what I feel sales can be is that type of service driving revenue by continuing to serve and ask if I can help you with that. If ask, would you like that? And that's, uh, that's really what I've been doing for my entire career. And, uh, I think everyone has it in them to serve, serve their clients. And the only thing different is they're going to ask for the order just like they do in the restaurant. So that's really the theme of the book. Basically. I, I, I love that analogy, by the way, because I, I, I think it should probably be, be, said and i i'm sure it, it, it's illustrated in your your workshops or within the book itself but you know there, there's a there's a pretty simple process that you know a, a wait staff will follow you know you know and they're there every step of the way to take you through that journey and to ask you at every step of the way hey is this or that you know this or that what you what do you want what don't you want uh and so they're constantly asking for an order and kind of moving you along that journey and and we probably don't think about that Right. You know, we don't right. think about that process because it's just so second nature in, in a restaurant, especially a nice restaurant. You kind of know what that's going to be. Uh, but it is a very specific process and it gives them the opportunity to serve and to do something right by you and ultimately to sell. Uh, yeah. that, that's pretty neat. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I asked the question typically in a workshop, is the server serving or is the server selling or is, are they doing both? And most people, I mean, people get it, but there's always a few hands that say serving. They don't even think of where the sales is. 
I look at sales as I say somewhere, I don't know where I wrote it, what I said, but life is selling and selling is life. And when you understand we're trying to sell our opinions, our wants, our needs, we, we're also good listeners, this is all part of selling. So that starts right at infancy. When the child is born, that first cry is, hey, I'm here. I'm selling, baby. I need some love, right? I need some attention. So who's going to give it to me? And from there it goes. And so, you know, you have little kids, you know, they're selling us constantly. Can I stay up late? Can I go to a friend's house? Can I have three cookies or two? You know, so it's very natural, but what's happened with business and sales over the years is because of, for whatever reason, uh, there's always be closing mentality, the pushiness, you got to drive people to make the sale. It's really tainted it and has become much uglier than it needs to be. So I really want to help people see it doesn't need to be that way. I've got, you got me, you, the way you said it, I don't even know if it was intentional or it just happened to fit perfectly. But Probably not. I say I, a lot of things by accident. My best words are by accident. <laughs> I've, got the, I've got this image of a baby and the baby's saying, I'm selling baby, but like literally the baby's selling baby. The baby's selling being a baby because you got to love me. You got to feed me. You got to change my diaper, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when that came out, I said, oh, I may be onto something with that one. <laughs> Definitely going to be flashing a picture of boss baby here. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, true though, isn't it? I mean, is that the way you view sales as something that's very natural? Yeah. Well, natural and, and a part of everybody, you know, we've used this statistic before 43% of any workers role in general is sales, you know, and that's including your, your people who are least associated with sales and including your business development specialists where that's all they do. It averages out to 43% of our time is spent selling. Um, so wow. I don't care what role you're in, you're always selling. Yeah. And you see that in, in tech industry, you know, half the tech companies today, they don't bring on salespeople. They have their engineers just play the customer service role and that's mm -hmm. their sales force. And they found mm -hmm better success with that than hiring this external salesperson who's going to be pushy, who's going to try to, right. you, know, you know, follow that mentality that you just kind of mentioned. Yeah. Um, so, so I think there, there is not just from my perspective, because I agree hundred percent, but I think there's a lot of sophisticated businesses and CEOs out there that are starting to recognize, Hey, you know, this is not about trying to, you know, put somebody in, into a corner where they feel, you know, very attacked or, you know, feel like they're, getting taken advantage of this is just helping assist and walking side by side with somebody you know yeah. as, as part of a partnership as opposed to exactly. an adversarial situation right sitting on opposite sides of the table yeah. right so he's sitting on the same side helping you know and i love that whole partnership mindset and it's interesting that statistic about four so again people who are, are not cut out for sales they'll say this i'm not cut out for sales i'm not a natural salesperson but do you ever go on a job interview? Do you ever go to a bank for a loan? Do you ever, you know, talk to someone about, you know, your business? All of those things are sales. And to say that you're not natural is sort of like saying to the doc, I've got a crappy attitude and I'm going to smile in spite of my crappy attitude. That's going to change everything. So mindset is part of it. And so if we're already self-defeating in the mindset and say, I'm not cut out for this, I'm not very good at it. What's the eventual outcome going to be? 
It's already set in stone. You've already set it in stone, right? Exactly. Start with the smile, though. It's a good way to break into that. So. Yeah, so the smile does change the uh, attitude. When I said that, I went, mm-hmm. well, that does start, right? Because that whole smiling thing, forcing yourself, does take some of the negativity off. I'm sure there's some psychological reason for that. but Well, it could be a good uh, prompt for you, right? So if mm-hmm. you're having your trouble with what Harry was just saying, actually just starting with a smile could be a good prompt to get you to start moving into the rest of that direction. You know, it, 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 it's funny we bring up smiling, if only because we, we just, yeah, you know, they'll remain anonymous, but we're working with somebody where it, it's a sales focused uh, collaboration. And one of my comments was, you know, why don't you just start with a smile? And he kind of chuckles and he goes, smile and dial. And I'm like, yeah, but there, there's some real science behind it. It works yeah. to smart with start with people like people who smile. <laughs> no, we it's want to get frowned yeah. at. You know, right. we got our parents to frown at us or, our, our spouses, if they're upset, with it. there's a, there's plenty of space for frowning in this world. You know, a little smile goes a long yeah. way. Well, I you know, I'm sorry, Doc. Just saying it is disarming. It's a good yeah. way to disarm. Well, I look at it as going through the uh, Publix uh, checkout, right? The cashier. And you, if there's a line of people, everyone's miserable going through the line. It's hysterical. It's so predictable. And then you get up. And, and so I get up to the, the cashier look at their name and I'll say, Brian, what's the good word? You know, it's, you know, and then I'll just ask, how's the day going? How are people treating you? Everybody can hear around me because I want Brian to feel great about his day. Guess what? Brian starts to smile. The person that's bagging the food starts to smile. People next to me start to smile. It's just contagious. And so even a mundane thing uh, I want to try to bring life to just to help people Uh, feel a little bit better about their day. I don't know if I was natural in that or if that became part of my personality, my persona through the whole missionary thing and selling, but it it became natural eventually. And so when people say, well, I'm just not naturally outgoing here. It's like, I don't know if I was either, but it's, you know, it's an, it's an intent, right? Because you don't want people just, this whole crowd of lemmings to be miserable doing the same thing. Let's break it up with a couple of smiles and laughs and life goes, I mean, it's just, you hear stories, people actually tell you about their experiences and it's actually kind of fun while people open up in a simple thing like that. So that translates to sales too. And that's a good kind of contagious uh, at a grocery store. We're so used to the other one right now. I'll take a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you can actually smile in a grocery store now, right? People will see it because you're not behind a mask. Um, oh, yeah, true. So, so you said something there, which which I'm uh, 100% on board with. Just, you know, it's it's an intention. And it's also a consistency and comfort thing, right? You know, what, what comes naturally to you? Well, it's a thing that you've done over and over and over again and found success with. That's why you're doing it, right? You learned that yeah. it worked. Uh, right. So if you're not comfortable in sales and you're not a natural salesperson where I think I read a statistic somewhere that only like one out of 10 people are naturally salespeople in the first place. Yeah. It, it, it's far from common, you know, to put yourself yeah. out there and constantly face rejection is far from common. <laughs> you know, that's not normal. Uh, it's, uh, it is something that just, you have to be intentional about it and 
experience it over and over again consistently and then get comfortable and then you can do it. But let's um, let's dig into this. You talked about mindset already. You kind of brought it up right off the bat. Um, and mindset's a huge part of what we talk about in our practice and probably you, you as well in yours. Um, what's what's kind of brought about the mindset in your mind, this idea that, hey, I, I can't sell or I'm not comfortable with selling or I don't like selling? What's driving that? Yeah, uh, there, I think there's a few things. Number one, the sales profession is looked down upon like nothing else. I mean, even when I was leaving high school, and uh, I didn't go to college. Uh, I went to work and then, uh, but my friends were going to college. We were talk and then uh, just like, oh, I could always get a sales job. Nah, I don't want to get in sales. So sales even, you know, 30, 40 years ago was not, it was not exciting. It was pretty far down the list and hearing my kids today. So I've got a daughter just recently graduated college a couple of years ago. She says, I'm not going to get in sales. Like that was like the worst job. So here's a guy that used to be a janitor, right? I used to have my own janitorial business. I can tell you all kinds of gross stories. I won't, but that to me is pretty far down the list. Sales is like, you know, on a 12 step ladder. I don't know where the 12 steps are, maybe something uh, subconscious there, but uh, it's probably about eight or nine steps up. It's not anywhere near the bottom. So you've got the mentality that sales is ugly, that no one really wants to do it. It's a last resort thing. And then you've got today where we're constantly bombarded with spam. Scam likely is calling us every five minutes. You know, the whole used car stuff, the sales movies make salespeople look like idiots. We're losers. You know, we've got this group of people that we're going to take advantage of people. Who wants to be like that? Right. So when you have that picture of sales, I understand why you wouldn't want to be in sales, but read the greatest salesman in the world, right? Read the greatest salesman in the world and see what sales can be and how it's an act of kindness, an act of love. It's an act of serving. Uh, and that's what my first sales book that I read and when I got into sales and saw the cutthroat weirdness of the sales bullpen. I went, wow, this is a little bit different than Ogmandino's book, but um, I figured out a way to make it work. So yeah, so mindset is it can be ugly. It's a last resort. And it's pressure packed and that's not for me. So that's tough for some people to overcome, especially people who think that they're just not outgoing and personable enough. And that's another battle we have to deal with too, which I'm sure you guys face. Brought up a couple points that, that always astonish me. Uh, and I, I've said this many times and I'll continue saying it many times because it, it blows my mind. Uh, first, first thing, uh, it's incredible to me that sales get looked down upon when you run a study on what are the best paying professions in this country. And number one is, is entertainers think like actresses and actors, right. On screen. Mm -hmm. Number two, sports athletes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got LeBron James who just turned into a billionaire recently. Right. Uh, and then number three sales professionals. So it's the third highest earning <laughs> income profession in this country. Yet it's looked down upon and it's amazing. But I think a part of that 
is because it's not really considered a profession. I mean, what other professions can you go into and you don't need a college degree? What is a baseline role you can get in any single company with absolutely no experience whatsoever? Probably a sales role. So I think there's there's this cultural association with sales that that really emphasize it pushes people into looking at it as this as this terrible role or this terrible position because there's not a lot of I don't think there's a lot of uh I don't think people really look at it as something that requires you to to learn how to do it it's not looked at as a skill right like there's this right. belief that oh it's you're either a natural salesperson or you're not or you're either willing to take advantage of people or you're not uh and then of course you do have to your point that you know all these bad characters and actors that you know come front and center in our minds uh unfortunately that has nothing to do with sales that's just you know show show me a, a group of attorneys and i'll show you half of them which are like oh hey. you know show me a group right. of doctors i'll show you half of them oh you know there, there's a reason we have problems with all professions and that's no knock mm -hmm. on attorneys or doctors they're you know just using you know some comparisons um it's interesting a couple things that is so you just like uh, a friend of mine who runs an IT company told me about him hiring a sales guy one time and they incented the sales guy to write a ton of new business and they paid him a lot of money. And his wife, the owner's wife felt like, how can we pay that guy that much money when we own the company? We're not making that. <laughs> and he says, well, we're going to get there. But we need the we need the clients first, so we have to pay someone to help us to get the clients. And so I just thought that was really funny that a person can get hired and earn more than a small business owner does, and those people sometimes are frowned upon. But yet, if they bring those types of skills, um, they can make a ton of money. I mean, you you know, seven figures is not out of the question for sales. And when you think of attorneys, attorneys are salespeople. I mean, there's no, I don't think any of them would say I'm not in sales. Um, and they're not all, uh, you know, it's like a perception that people have about attorneys sometimes. I, I did some work with a law firm and I went in with an attitude it's like, oh, I don't know about this. And the, the people in the room were the nicest they wanted to learn. They wanted to understand where sales coming from a place of serving was, what their potential clients were looking for in a in an attorney these days versus, you know, the person that's just going to be push, push, push. You want to do business with me? And, you know, they saw a whole different side, which is very relatable. So mindset wise, we know we know where this belief system is coming from, right? This 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 slimy feeling about salespeople, you know, that old car used car salesman mentality yeah. or the insurance salesman person, you know, just, just, uh, you know, it, it creeps you out just thinking about like who people are thinking of. So sales, we've got this, it's looked down upon and then it, it's filled with people that we don't want to identify ourselves as, but the reality is far different. Right. Right. I mean, so how, how do you kind of help people who are coming from this mentality? Because you, you know, it's common. I mean, people hate yeah. to sell. They stay, yeah. they stay it all the time. Even coming in as like a sales coach, for example, I think some people are like, oh no, I don't, I don't want that. And it's the craziest thing. It's like, what, what you don't want to get better at selling? You're a business owner. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, what, what more could you possibly ask for that? Like that should be the focus. 
Yeah, it's funny. I was just reading, uh, I don't know if it's reading, listening to a book, um, the one page marketing plan. And the author talks about sales in it that, I mean, you've got to be, you've got to recognize the value of sales and it's marketing. And so, um, I was had Jim Irving, who is a sales author, and he said, you know, the difference between sales and marketing is simply this. Marketing is to many, sales is one-to-one. -one. And we all can have conversations. So in the conversations, it gets where we have an agenda. Like, so we have no agenda. We're just going where the conversation takes us. And there's no pressure. But if I had the thought that I've got to get these two guys, JB and Doc, to buy my service, I've got to work this in and say, you know, I'm the best there is to work with. There's no one like me. I am, you know, I've got the state of the art, the latest and greatest. I'm voted number one. And we throw out all this nonsense that is just completely not natural. So take out the agenda and say, I just want to be friends get to know people and see if we're good for each other. Because at the end of the conversation or a couple of conversations, I might find out that you guys are really squeaky wheels and you're going to be annoying and you're going to complain about everything. I probably don't want to do business with you. But on the other hand, if I find out, Hey, you guys are like partner type people, you'd be great clients. You don't, you're not going to look for the lowest price. So I could come in, I could sell something or I could sell my service at a fair price. I can help your business grow and we can help each other. That to me is why you want to have conversations instead of, well, every prospect, every person is a prospect for my service. And if you go in with that mindset, and feel like you got to sell it to everybody, then you're, you're going to lose on so many different fronts. And just take the pressure off yourself and say, I'm just going to get to know people and see if they have a need. If they don't have a need today, I build up some relationship. They're probably going to have a need six months from now or a couple of years from now. And in the meantime, we'll have some relationship, yeah. friendship, and then we might refer business to each other and good things will happen that way. What do you think? Is that crazy? Totally love it. I got to share a story because it's, it's so yeah, funny. Please. Uh, I, I connect with somebody on LinkedIn, uh, financial services, uh, which is a heavy emphasis for me since it's my background, you know, financial services for 15 plus going, I guess, 20 years almost now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm connecting with him and we're just chatting and, and he, he knows kind of what I do and who I am. I mean, I mean, it's there in my LinkedIn profile. Like there's no surprises or secrets. So he took the meeting. Yeah. So, you know, he's open to getting to know me at least. Uh, yeah. and it naturally comes up. He brings it up. Yeah, I don't, I don't bring it up. He brings it up. He says, you know, um, how do you think you could help or this or that? And I'm like, well, you know, this is kind of who we are and what we do. And we go through a conversation and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty specific about what we do. Uh, Doc and I are soft skills. That's what we do. We don't implement systems. We're not like super big strategy. Like we, we're comfortable. That's not our space. Uh, I'm yeah. just like, we're skills development. So we work with people who kind of like just you know, they're good, right? They're established. They, they got the systems in place. They know what they're mm -hmm. doing. They feel good about themselves, but they've identified something they want to develop for themselves or their team. He says, okay, well, I just don't think it's like the right fit right now, but like maybe, maybe in the future. And I said, 
okay, I, I disagree. I think it's the perfect time right now, not for you to buy something from me because I'm not selling you anything, but for us mm -hmm. to start to build the relationship so that mm -hmm. when you are at that point and at that right. stage where it makes sense, we've got an established relationship and you know who I am and you know if I'm the right fit or not. I, I mean, that's our goal with these kinds of conversations is just to get to that stage with people. And so it's like, well, I love that idea. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, let's reconnect in four to six weeks. Let's build a relationship and, and we'll spend like 45 minutes. And he's like, okay, but you know, are you going to charge me for that? Is that like a one-time like flat fee? I'm like, no. I'm not just going to give you advice for 45 minutes. We're going to get to know each other. Better. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, it's so amazing. And this is, I think it, it make it drives home your point, right? With this is, this is not about just trying to, it's about having a conversation, getting to know each other, but finding a fit and, and building relationships. Uh, and then the business comes, the results always come if, if you take that approach. Uh, but it goes to show also how very few professionals follow that route because you get that kind of response, which is almost like this flabbergasted, like, how could that possibly be that you're not yeah. trying to sell me something? Like, how could you well, just want to get to know me? That's crazy. Yeah. Right. And you know, it's not like businesses are promoting sales leaders and owners are not promoting that that mentality that you have. So it is out of the norm. And what I'd say is out of the norm, but you know, so everyone has quotas. Every salesperson has a quota. They think about, and we are raised with quotas. We're thinking about how much business we need to get in by the end of the month and where we spend our time. Um, and so all of that is for those of us who've been in sales for a long time, you have to fight that and say this this has just got to take its natural course and most people are just what <laughs> you know you know that's the reaction you just you just want to be friends you want to get to know each other it's just it's just not normal so yeah we're up it's an uphill battle on that one i think so it's so interesting thing you say because quotas are, are a nasty thing it's a it's the same challenge i have with uh with you know publicly traded companies that have these quarterly uh you know benchmarks mm -hmm. they have to hit and god forbid we don't have this level of earnings or this revenue per share or whatever it happens to be yeah. you know, we're not hitting our quarterly mark because what it does is uh as a salesperson it forces you and, and i'm going to speak kind of broadly about what's probably more less transactional sales and more relationship driven sales but uh it forces you to work with people who are at the point of sale which means that they're people at a point of need today uh, and if you're coming in right when somebody's at the point of need you're just an order taker at that point, all you're doing is you're either getting the best price or you're the you're the best order taker, the most competent order taker. There's nothing there um, in a perfect world. You're you're well ahead of the order being taken and you're involved way. And that allows you to actually not just be ready to take the order and be in a position to win that order, but it allows you to actually make sure that the order that somebody's placing is the order that they really want which I think, I think that's a big mess, right? A lot of people, you know, they go into something and, and they're mm -hmm. not necessarily looking at it the way that maybe they ought to be looking there, what they think they want and what they're actually getting are two different things. So it helps you kind of guide people to, to identify what those needs really are versus sometimes yeah. what people think they are. Cause there's a lot of uncovered needs that people never realize unless they have that consultative relationship with somebody longer term. Yeah, it's so true. So when you're buying, 
or selling in the last phase of the sales cycle where, or the buyer's buying cycle, which is I've already done my research. I narrowed it down to these three. I have to get three quotes to no matter how big or how small. I mean, it's, it's amazing, but people will, uh, you know, I've, I've been around the copier printer industry for most of my adult life. And that's as cutthroat as it can be. And so people who are good at that are, you know, they're wheeling and dealing. It's, it's wheeling and dealing like cars, you know, but you can separate yourself tremendously by getting in before the buyer gets to that point. And you can really, like you said, find out what they really want, what they need. When they've made that decision internally, you go in and try to mix that up and change it up. They look at you as like, you're trying to change what we already decided on. So already we don't like you. So, you know, you can't say, well, would you like my opinion? No, we, you know, we've already committed. And it's just amazing. And, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years, I don't know where I read it. Someone else gets the credit for this. It's easier to fool somebody than it is to show them they've been fooled. Like it. I like it because it's true. You know, you, you, when people, and again, in, in the copier industry, it, there's there's shysters. So it's real easy to separate yourself by being a good person and just doing the right thing for people. But to tell someone that they're paying 10 times the normal price, you, you, you can't do it. They'd rather be fooled than listen to someone saying you overpaid tenfold. So those are things you learn. But when I did that and found that wasn't successful, I said, you know, I better find out why. And the answer was, it's easier to fool than to tell someone they've been fooled. So that's, that's really, I thought, very interesting. And so when we're, so people, you know, like, I don't know if you guys have ever had someone, yes, you know, maybe you bought a car or something nice and someone says, well, what kind of deal did you get? And then you kind of give them an idea of the deal. It's like, oh, you should have called me. I got a friend that's in the business and they would have saved you like five grand. So then what, what, how do you feel? Like an idiot, of course. You feel like an idiot, right? So, but your friend thinks they're doing you a favor by telling you that, but you just called me an idiot. And that's what salespeople do when they say, well, I could have done that for less. So all of these things that we say, which, you know, they're just not good manners anyway hurt us in the sales side of things. So I don't know why I went down that path, but it's just, uh, it, it brought me there. So help me, build me out here, JB. <laughs> but, well, you do see it though. You see a lot, a lot of salespeople who basically the decision you made was wrong. And it's like, you know, that is not a way to like really endear yourself to anybody. Right. It's yeah. Like calling them a moron is not yeah. really going to like play into your hand at all <laughs> but yeah. people, people do it all the time uh you you have to respect the decisions that people have made because they're in the past already right you know and it's mm -hmm. either you know well moving forward you know maybe we need to look at this what do you think and you know what what if this could be the you know how it plays out in the future and that's kind of you know because rare, rarely are sales one and done um 
in my experience, yeah. if you, if yeah. you know, there's, there's future needs. There's not just present needs or past needs. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Doc, I, I I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to loop you in here. Cause I know you probably are waiting for one of us to take a breath and it's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, we don't like silence. When you do get somebody doc, who's kind of like in, in that position where they, you haven't been able to get in front of them before they're they're making the the decision just just psychologically is there any good way to kind of pull somebody back to to look at it again or when somebody's made up their mind is it like done done in your experience i mean it's going to really depend on the situation a little bit um inside joe harry's not aware of uh, <laughs> It's his answer to sure. everything. Our audience is quite. Um, <laughs> Every answer. <laughs> but there is something to say. How emotionally charged is that topic, right? So if it's extremely emotionally charged, the more, the less willing they are going to be to change something with that, right? So if it, you have to kind of read those situations. If you know that's something that's holding on to, pulling on a big emotional string, you're probably not want to point that stuff out. Um if it's something that's less emotionally charged, more um, logistical, then you can kind of use it in a way where you draw the picture back to them and they can kind of figure it out on their own. That it could have been a better, there's better choices out there. So it's just using some different strategy depending on the situation. Um, yeah, but most people don't like to know that they're wrong about something, especially when there's nothing they can do about it. That's why we always focus on the future. Well said. And it's why it's so important to, to start in the past, right? Like to, be involved before you get to that point. That, that's that's one of the best things you could do as a salesperson. And that's the difference between, I think, I think being a sales professional, Harry, and, and that idea of what a salesperson is in a lot of people's heads. Because in a lot of people's heads, it's like, oh, I'm at the point of sale and I've got to convince them that I'm the best. And like, I'm going to trick them with my words or I'm going to manipulate them psycho psychologically or NLP, you know, whatever it is. No, no, no. Great sales professionals are consultants early on and they help guide and walk somebody to the appropriate solutions for them, assuming that they represent those solutions. Uh, that's a sales professional. And that's the difference in sales as it should be and what people think of sales. Totally. My opinion. Yeah, it's a good opinion. I mean, so for those who are entrepreneurs and feeling like they want to grow their business, you know, the more friends you have in business, I mean, think about the potential for referrals that you could provide for them the referrals that you'll get back. And in the meantime, that person that's referring you business may not be in the market for what you have, but who are they going to do business when they are with, when they are in the market, right? They've already referred you. So that's the whole beauty. I think of the relationship thing is that over time, it's not one and done. As you mentioned, it's, it's that relationship. How can I serve that person? What can I help them with? They'll want to reciprocate. And then in the end, your business is going to grow from a whole bunch of different ways other than I, that person needs to buy from me this month. So that's, that's the big picture, long-term view of sales, in my opinion. So good stuff. A, B, C. Oh, yeah. What is that formula, yeah. man? <laughs> you got to explain the formula. Yeah. So if always you're watching on YouTube, yeah. what is ABC, guys? You're sellers. What's ABC? Yeah, it's always be counseling. I yeah, think. consulting. That's what I would say. <laughs> right? I like this guy. He's good. 
So traditionally, if, if always you're be familiar closing, with right? any kind of show, it's always be closing. And as we know, if you're always trying to close, you're just going to close a deal. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Harry was just saying, those referrals, COI, your center of influence, is what's going to win you <clears throat> your most sales. So Way to put math okay. into sales, bro. I mean, yeah. come on, man. You're killing me. I, I need a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, uh, what is the math calculus? It's got the letters, geometry. I don't remember. It's been so long. But you got letters in with math. That messes my mind. The algebra going on in our sales conversation, <laughs> man. Jeez. But guess what? I got you to stop talking for a second. So Yes, I did. <laughs> you did. You did. Where's the squirrel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that's typically up pretty quick yep there he goes uh harry man i, I know we're, we're, we're kind of crossing to to top of the hour here but i really enjoyed the conversation so so i i we could probably go back and forth like for hours and hours i'm sure we could and the doc would be snoozing in the background waiting for us to shut up uh your book came out about a year ago so you're celebrating the one year anniversary i'm sure there's a lot in the book right around this topic and, and most of what we talked about uh how can how can our listeners and our viewers get a hold of you if they need to get in touch with you or they want to talk about working alongside you well if you see the spelling of my name it's uh find me on linkedin i do try to post uh, quite a bit of content every week and uh sellingwithdignity.com uh is a good place to find me as well so Awesome. It's really been a pleasure to be here with a sales guy and a mindset guy. So you two are quite the pair and uh, companies need you. And uh, I agree. Give these guys uh, five star glowing reviews. If you can give them more than five stars, do that too, because good podcasts like this, you want people to listen to and be better. And it drives the economy and we need that. That's it. And it would never hurt if it happened to be a five-star review on your episode either. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it would never, right. never be, never be a yes. bad thing. Um, all the information will be on the show notes as, as doc likes to usually say, I'm taking over his ending. He's probably very upset with me right now. Cause not only did I take <laughs> over the whole conversation, I now took his ending too. On brand. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I get back at him when he makes fun of me for like the last few hours of podcasts. This is my way to get back. Yeah. <laughs> all you do is hurt the audience. All, all right, right. All right. Harry. You guys are good together. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, man. Really did enjoy it. We'll have to do it again and appreciate you coming into the lab with us. My pleasure. It's been great. Thanks, guys. I finally have a chance to take a breath here, Doc. You got anything to s- add to the conversation? I've had a lot of breaths to take. <laughs> It's totally expected when I am in a room with two sales folks. Uh, take a back seat and I listen and I learn and I take it all in. He rolls his eyes sometimes too. I I, I keep an eye into the corner of my eye. I see, I see him. A little eye rolling that goes on. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I, I did enjoy the conversation with Harry. I, you know, conceptually just the, the selling with, dignity concept his business name the name of his book uh flipping the what we how we frame a salesperson and kind of really putting that under a magnifying glass and and recognizing that what we think sales is is probably not what sales really is it's a 
good endeavor for most business people to go through because most business people who do come from that perspective of, oh, I'm not a natural salesperson or sales, pe sales people are bad or sales is bad, they're probably just not approaching sales in, in a way that a, a sales professional ought to, which is much more collaborative. Yeah, it's on the same side of the table. It's not on the other side of the table. I think it goes back to a lot of those misconceptions. You see it, how people in sales are portrayed in movies, how therapists are portrayed in movies. Like there's a big misconception around a lot of these things that that are not even close to accurate in the real world. Um, but then people try to create that caricature because they don't know any better and that's how they think they're supposed to do it. Um, you know, like every therapist has a couch, you know, that you're gonna lay down and tell all your problems. It's every movie, but not really in real life. I don't have a couch either. Uh, just like every salesperson is a greasy slime ball who's just trying to take your money and give you a product that doesn't work. Not accurate. Yeah. Are there a sales, few of those out there? Sure, maybe, but not really. Yeah. Sales should feel good for all parties, right? Yeah, a, a, a good sale is a sale where everybody wins. I mean, that should be a goal. I, I, I really, you should hesitate to make a sale if it's not a sale where everybody wins. I mean, you really ethically should be able to take a stand on that. Do business, the right business with the right people at the right time with the right need, and you'll feel right about it. Simple formula. Put that down on the bottom left-hand corner. Don't don't mess with me. Don't do it. <laughs> yes, I'll put something else there. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate it. If you are listening or viewing this, we have a very appropriately themed seven-minute masterclass, the RIP method to 2x your time. Hey, I'm just going to say it. If you are trying to get more time out of your day, you don't need to listen to 45 minutes of BS, of which five to 10 minutes is actually worthwhile. We took that traditional 45-minute masterclass, which is really more about trying to sell you on something, as opposed to educating you. And we distilled it down into what we think is the essential seven minutes for you to be able to do more with your time effectively. It's the RIP method to two extra time. It is literally a seven minute masterclass. If you have seven minutes, you can get through this masterclass, learn something new to be more productive. It is absolutely free. Check it out. Details are in the show notes below, or you can check it out on our website, jbandthedoctor.com backslash it 2xytsc i don't know don't, don't, don't quote That's me on that you just click on the link click on the link just click on the link go on youtube go, go on spotify or apple podcast click on the link ignore what i just said generally um <laughs> it is also entertaining and uh very on brand for the for the months ahead uh also if you'd like to find us where you could probably also find this link on any of our social media at JB and the doctor. You can do it there. Don't forget to leave that review. Don't forget to give us those five stars and like, and hit all those buttons that have bells and dings and all those things. That's it. Doc until the next time, brother. Was there more to that or just till the next time, brother J JB out. <laughs> there we go. Later. <laughs> Peace out, yo.